Well, um, again, you know, we're just going to come around the word this morning, and I, and I, I guess uh, for me, this is a topic that I, I remember when I was going through Bible college, Rose and I, we certainly experienced the, the provision of the Lord to go through Bible college at the time that we did, but uh, when Rose and I uh, went through Bible college, uh, we would sit under teachings on divine healing. And uh, that's really uh, the, the topic that we've stepped into is this area of divine healing. And, and we, would, we would get into those uh, uh, teachings on divine healing. And, and at that time, you know, I was in my prime, uh, if you would, uh, I guess the best way to say it, healthy and everything was all good. And I'm going, well, I don't really need to hear this teaching on healing right now. Everything was good. And so it wasn't that I would goof off, but I had you know, like financial aspirations, I had a business going. And, and so what I would do is I'd take those same truths that I was learning about faith and how to apply faith, and I'd just make an application over in my provision needs. And it worked really well for me, actually. It worked really well, and, you know, uh, we were blessed all the way through Bible college. The Lord's provision was just, just out of the park, really, uh, the way he looked after us, you know, just accommodation and work and things that just seemed to drop into our plate. So just, just remember that, you know, you might be sitting there this morning saying, well, I'm, I'm all healed, thanks, I don't really need to hear much on healing. And, uh, and just know that you can take the same principles of faith, the application of faith, which was last week's subject, and apply it over into, you know, areas of your finances and your, and your, your material needs. Uh, you'll find that the same underlying truths are there, even when it comes to healing as well. But uh, we're, we're really just stepping into this new series now, and of course, um, uh, it's certainly one that's sure to lift your faith. You can tell someone who asked you what you did on Sunday at work on Monday, and so I went and had a faith lift. Um, <laughs> and uh, it just, just happens that it's actually on the area of uh, uh, divine healing and on that subject. So. But, you know, you can do a quick scan across the body of Christ, perhaps do a survey if you're into doing surveys, and uh, you'd get a very wide variety of views, very, very wide, you know, um, regarding the subject of healing, and particularly divine healing. And um, some of it is based on Bible scripture, which is, you know, some of it Old Testament Bible scripture. And of course, others make the mistake of holding a position on healing that is based on their own rational thinking. Nothing wrong with using your brain. I say use your brain. But sometimes it's also based on someone's experience, even based on having seen someone else's experience. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Which so often can lead to doubt and unbelief. Lead us away from what the word says. We start to look at that instead of what the word says. Good example. Well, I knew uh, Brother Bill such a good Christian man he was, uh, so loving, loving and kind, uh, and he never got healed of his bad eyesight. He suffered quietly. What a great example. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm. But what we don't see is that Brother Bill never knew that he could receive his healing by faith. He never knew it. He never got taught that. Lovely guy. Loved the Lord with all his heart but just didn't know some things. And the scriptures do say that my people perish through lack of knowledge. Doesn't it? That's right. I heard the story of the guy that saved up his money uh, to buy a ticket to go on a cruise. And just imagine this. 
he, he felt like he didn't have enough money to, for everything that was available on the cruise, and I know what that's like. I have been on a cruise, and there's other things you can buy while you're on the cruise. In fact, the cruises get a lot of business out of the other things that you can do on the cruise that are not a part of the ticket. But anyway, thinking he didn't have enough money for the cruise, he went out and bought some cheese and crackers. That's just a, and he took his little lunchbox with him with cheese and crackers in there as well. When everybody else would go to the restaurant for lunchtime and breakfast, he'd sit outside quietly with his cheese and crackers. Just glad to be on a cruise, you know, just sailing the oceans and eating his cheese and crackers. And he was content. And the captain of the ship noticed him and said, you know, after a few days, and went up to him and said to him, why don't you join the other passengers in the meal room, you know, in the, in the, in the restaurants that are available. There's several restaurants available. You can join them. And he said, no, I didn't pay for that. <laughs> I didn't pay for that. And he said, no, it's a part of the ticket price that you eat with the people in the restaurant. The captain had to correct him and tell him, right. And it's a lot like that with Christians. There are things available to us because we got saved, because we're a son and a daughter of the living God, that we don't think or don't know how to actually grab a hold of and actually have in our life. It, you know. And so it's something that we just need to make a sh a, just an adjustment ourselves. And, you know, please get me, get me right. I'm, you know, there's a, the political correctness thing is just really cutting right through the church now as well. And there's things that you just can't say. But I just want you to know, I'm not into faith shaming. Okay, but Jesus taught, if you can believe, all things are possible. And it does get down to our believing when we start stepping into those arenas. If you can believe, all things are possible. We sung it. Jess, you started to tap into it a little bit there with uh, some of my sermon this morning. Thank you. The realisation is, is that there are, we, I'm sorry to say, but many will come into their heavenly home and find out the things that were available to them that they just had to ask for. And will be disappointed to know that they went through things that they didn't have to. Hmm. Some people just seem to get stuck being patient, but don't apply faith. Feeding the doubt with encouragements uh, to be patient and suffer in silence rather than applying their faith, which means that you get a whole lot noisier. You know, start making some, state, stating some, some affirmations about the word of God and your situation. Being noisy around the house with it. And when you've got other people in the house, and I've got two Christian believers in my house, and sometimes you don't want to go around walking past them in the house going, I believe I receive my healing, I believe I receive my healing. You know, Psalm Isaiah 53, you know, he was bruised for my iniquities. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I don't walk past them all the day long saying those kind of things. So, you know, I, I just want to encourage you, that's not what our household is like. But what I'm quietly saying within my own heart when I'm dealing with ailments or, or things that are hindering me physically is, is that I'm saying in my heart and I'm speaking it with my, you know, you know within myself through the day. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. He died not just for my sins, but also for my sicknesses. I'm so glad that I have a saviour that cared enough to die for my sicknesses and diseases. Amen. And, you know, so should we. You know, we, we can be in the workplace and say, oh, it's easy for you because, you know, you're not in a workplace all day long. No, say it in your heart. 
Speak it from within. Just find those promises, you know, make a list of them. Learn them off by heart and start to speak them. And you watch the difference that it makes. You'll be back in your prime again in no time. Amen? Three times we're told the just shall live by faith. Now we know that it's talking about the justified, those that have received justification by faith. We believed in the, uh, you know, in the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for our sins. He rose again. And we believe in a risen Lord. Amen. He's ascended on high and he's sat at the, the right hand side of the Father where he ever lives to do what? To make intercession for us. That's where he ever lives, is to act on our behalf. And then he sent the Holy Spirit down into the church so we could have his presence among us as well. I'm excited, you know. We, he hasn't left us without. And we should step in for more. Jesus says, and three times in the scripture we're told the just shall live by faith. In other words, we're not only just going to get saved and wait for heaven, wait for that sweet chariot to swing low and take us home. We're not just going to wait for that. We're going to live by faith. And of course, that involves his scripture. That involves his word. That involves, you know, that life that he's given us to speak. You know, we need to guard our hearts against a limited flesh and blood thinking that prevents us from believing the word and getting it into our hearts and then releasing it by saying and praying. We need to be bigger than that. Amen? Than just waiting. Hoping maybe someone will come along and bring us another switch that we can switch on, switch off and make it easy. You know, the topic last week, and you can, you can find it on the, on the church website, the topic last week was the healing power of God, or, or I should say the application of faith, but the actual series is the, the, the healing power of God, okay? And we're going to just be in this for a little while now and, uh, and just really look at it from different angles, look at it, how it affects us, how, what we should do. And uh, we saw how, last week, how that it is by faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. Amen. What a great scripture uh, to, to uh, remind ourselves of, that it's something that we have to do, faith and patience. That's another thing we have to do, that we begin to inherit the promises of God. And uh, I want us to look at that scripture there today. It says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish. Well, that word means lazy. You know, lazy. But imitate or mimic those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I like it that this scripture sort of touches in on that word imitate because that was one of the words that we used in Ephesians chapter 6 when it says that we're to, you know, uh, uh, be imitators of God and walk in love toward one another. We're to love one another just like Jesus loved us. And of course, that was a great truth there. And then there's that word again. It's the Greek word mamatis, and it means to mimic. Mimic those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You can go into the scriptures and you can find, you know, passages of people who stood in difficult circumstances. In fact, you can, you can uh, uh, read yourself to sleep at night. Just setting in your heart great examples from scripture of people who walked in faith and saw the promises of God and how God encouraged that and how God wants that. People that are walk in faith, actually apply the word of God. And when, it, and when you decide that that's it, 
I'm going to make a quality decision about living this way. You watch what happens. For us, Rosemary and I, we were in. We were all in. We were buying post-it pads, all right? We were buying post-it pads and writing scriptures on them, sticking them around the house that we were living in, you know, when we were first married. There's those post-it pads, and there was some of mine and some of Rosemary's, and they're on the mirror. You can walk around that house without falling over post-it pads everywhere because we were getting the Word of God into our lives, and it made a difference, made a difference. So we also looked at how faith, when we apply it correctly, looks like and uh, we did see it, faith that comes by hearing. And, of course, uh, we understood that. So, you know, when we, when we apply ourselves, you know, uh, when we apply it correctly, faith uh, comes by hearing the word of God. And that, you know, and that includes revelation knowledge, too. Remember that. That includes, you know, that, that uh, wisdom that we receive from heaven. When the Lord shows us something, when the Lord reveals a word to us, speaks the word into our hearts, that's also faith that comes by hearing the word. Amen? And, you know, we need to watch out for that. I mean, I, I know where the Lord's just at times given me a verse of Scripture that I know is to be used specifically to pray into someone else's life as an intercessory word. You know, and I know it's not for me. I know it's for someone else. And I'm to take that word and use it like a sword, use it like a weapon when I pray. And I'm praying for that other person. And be ready for that. You know, you give yourself to it. You know, the Lord's not just going to heap scriptures on you. He'll give you some scriptures and words for other people as well. Amen. Remember, Christianity is not just to us, it's through us. You know, God, God deals in our hearts so that we can be involved in other people's lives and hearts as well. It's also focusing on the promise and not the problem. And we saw that from the example of Abraham. Um, where he got to that really good place where he considered not his own flesh, the weakness of his own body, nor, nor the, the deadness of Sarah's womb. He considered those things not anymore. He wasn't focusing on the, on the, on the uh, problem anymore. He was focusing on the promise. It took him a while to get there too. If you, if you read the account of Abraham, it took him 25 years to be swinging that baby in his arms. Someone said, well, that's going too far. Well, they were happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? They got the promise. They got it fulfilled. And number three, a believing heart that doesn't doubt. And we saw that from Mark 11 and verse 23. And as the saying goes, if you doubt, you go without. If you doubt, you go without. Doubt's not going to bring you into what, you know, uh, the fulfillment of that promise. Doubt's going to get in the way. And so they've all dealt, doubt. Doubt needs to be dealt with. Deal with doubt. In other words, you know, when you find yourself struggling in that area, cast it down. You know, we, we see those scriptures uh, that in, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, where it talks about casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God's word, bringing every thought into the captivity of the Lord Jesus Christ, bringing every thought into what he said. What does he say about this? I know what I say about this. I know what they say about this and what I read, you know, in the media report said about this. But what does God say about this? And I'm going to stick with that. Amen. And then, of course, the most important is releasing words from a believing heart. Releasing words. So, in other words, it's not just the faith we have in our hearts that's going to work. 
It's got to be the, the faith that we actually release, that we speak out. You know, if we look at Mark 11, it's talking about both saying, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says shall come to pass, he shall have them, it says. So that's the saying part. So that's like speaking to that problem. And that's where it gets a little weird, you know, if someone overhears you, you know, in your prayer closet, and you're speaking away and speaking to that mountain, speaking to that problem. And uh, it sounds a little weird, but you just got to do it. That's what we're called to. And then there's the praying part. It goes on as, therefore, whatever, you, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Mark 11, 22, 23, 24. Powerful, powerful scripture. And the beauty of it is, if you've got one of those Bibles that have got the words in red, they're all in red. This is what Jesus taught. He taught his disciples how to live by faith. And we're called to that. Amen. They, he wrote, that's written there for us as well. So we would know how to do it. No excuse. We've been given the instruction. Now we finished last week looking, looking you know, quite closely at Abraham, who by faith and patience inherited the promise of God that he had, which is the promise of that baby uh, to Abraham and Sarah, even in their old age. You can imagine the talk down at the market. Have you heard about what Abraham and Sarah are doing at the moment? They're believing for a baby. They're 75, for goodness sakes. And then 25 years later, <laughs> you know, they're 100 and they're still believing. But they've gotten really good at it. Gotten really good at believing. Didn't care what anyone else said. They were just about the business of glorifying their heavenly father. Amen? They haven't changed their names. He's now called the father of many nations, for goodness sakes. You know, you could imagine the talk and the banter. Um, among people that knew them and, and just didn't understand. You know, the Bible says that we're a peculiar people. We are. And things like this, you know, when we start to live this way, the way that God intended us to live, it does look a little peculiar. And you know, so, you know, we need to see this as well, is that, you know, we need to see that there's another kind of faith that's described in that same passage. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's called weak faith. We ought to see how weak faith works as well. And I want you to see that in Romans chapter 4 and verse 19. Look what it says. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. We see that. We need to see that weak faith sees the problem can't get their eyes off the problem. More than the promise, they're looking at the problem. That's, you know, their focus. A weak faith says and sees the impossibility and weak faith sees the natural facts and because they're not focused on the, on the answer or on the, um, uh, the promise, they speak about that. That's their conversation. So, you know, invariably they'll be talking the problem. And, you know, we, we, you know, we know what Jesus taught about that. He said, uh, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we're going to know what you believe because of what's coming out from underneath the nose. What you're talking about, what you're saying. Are you talking about the answer to the promise? 
and how you're believing and how you're standing and how you've got this scripture from the Lord and, and you're standing on these other three scriptures that say the same thing and I've put it together and I've got a real strong case here for the fulfillment of this promise or are you just saying, I don't know how this is going to happen. In fact, I don't think it's going to happen. And you find your prayer partner who you think is going to pray for you and pull you out of that. And what you need to do is you need to stop talking about the problem and start speaking the answer. Start saying and praying. Start activating and, and making an application of your faith. Amen? Getting very quiet in here. Just have some things that need to be said. You see, Abraham knew the natural facts, but he just didn't focus on them anymore. And you see, weak faith will waver at the promise of God. And someone who wavers is double-minded about the outcome. And the saying that we used to have is that I used to be, be double-minded, but now I'm not sure. Recording over me? <laughs> I don't know. Hope and faith are different. We need to see that. Hope and faith are different. We can have a hope, but then we apply our faith to it. We apply our confident expectation to it. And of course, the next verse explains then what strong faith looks like. Abraham models faith for us perfectly. You know, he, he just struts a very, very good model of, of what faith looks like. Faith that endures and goes a distance. And we, we need to see it. Romans 4 and verse 20 and verse 21. And it says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. That's why you waver. It's unbelief. And you need to deal with it. You need to, you know, get that sorted out and go to God and say, I'm sorry, Lord. I, I, keep, I keep thinking like this isn't going to happen. Forgive me, Lord. I get back to you. I get back to the place of faith. Lord, I believe what your word says. And I'm just state, stating it now, Lord. I thank you that I see the fulfillment of this promise. And it says did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And we looked at that last week, how that giving glory to God is when you lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord, I believe I receive my healing. Thank you, Lord, it's mine. Thank you, Lord. And, and, and what happens is it, the, the highest ex expression of your faith begins to occur, which is thanksgiving. You say, well, how do you pray again and again and again about the same thing? It's easy. Just give him thanks. You know, when that urge to, to, to do more about this situation, just say, Lord, I thank you that your promise for me concerning healing is, is done and dusted. I thank you, Lord God, that you've got this. I thank you, Lord God, that you're on the job. You say, well, how long do I have to do this for? Well, if you're prepared to believe forever, it won't take that long. You say, is that comforting? you're prepared to believe forever it's not going to take that long so just you know settle back down and just get back into that you know that faith walk amen Abraham got to that place where he wasn't wishing anymore he was expecting and that's an exciting place where you're just expecting I remember one time we were standing and believing for a situation Rose and I early in our marriage still living in that first house where we lived when we first we first got married and I mean, that house alone was a blessing to us. It was, it was an old beach shack, uh, if you know Perth very well. It was an old beach shack down at Waterman's, Waterman's Bay. We were about three houses back from the beach and, you know, newlyweds and 
down the beach sort of every, every second day or come home from Bible college and we go down the beach. It was just lovely. And, um, and it was given to us by Rosemary's parents. They had it as an investment property and it, was, it really was a beach shack. But um, we made it nice. You know, painted a few walls and a few things. We painted everything that, that just needed painting and made it home and put some nice new furniture in there. And, but it was given to us two years rent-free, which is like a little wedding gift. It was just beautiful. It was just, there we were, and there we were in Bible college, you know, rent-free under, you know, under this circumstance um, that we'd been blessed with. And, of course, we knew that when that two years was up, it was up. And then we said, well, Lord, what do you got for us next? And, you know, one day at Bible college, Rosemary comes to Bible college, sits down next to me, and sticks a little bit of paper in my pocket. And we're just about to have chapel, you know, so we're going to about to have praise and worship. And I pull this little piece of paper out, and there it is. Uh, Caretaker manager needed for Christian Accommodation Centre. And uh, a place called Kumbaya. <laughs> how, how, how Christian is that? It was in a Christian, a Christian accommodation centre in Marmion. and it was just around the corner from where we were living. And we went around there and had immediate favour with the people that owned it. And, uh, and they said, when can you start? And so we moved from there. It was actually live on, live in position. And on the weekends, people would come and do Christian camps, church groups, Christian camps, and you just have to clean up after them and get ready for the following week. And we lived there during the week. This is a little, little one-bedroom uh, apartment uh, that we lived in. And again, the grace of God, the grace of God just kept on kicking in as we're just saying, Lord, we want to follow you. We want to do what you want for us. And, um, you know, we have those testimonies. And we left from there. Uh, a Grace Brothers removal came and took us off to country Queensland where we um, pastored a church and pioneered there. And uh, again, grace of God all the way along. So, you know, we have little stories from, you know, time to time just telling you that, that, you know, when you choose to live by faith, God is just always stepping in and just showing you that he's with you all along the way. So here, let me pose a question for you. And of course, it's this. Is faith required for you to receive healing? Well, I like it. There's a few definite yeses going on. And and. I would say this, and, and I say this just to challenge you a little bit, yes and no. You know, that day that I was sitting down the front seat, on that seat there, when Dr. Richard Roberts, which was the son of Oral Roberts, came walking down because he'd been up and down the corridor, you know, the, the, the um, aisles, been up and down the aisles, praying with different people and ministering and just, just really stepping out in the spirit. And he came down and I knew him and we'd had conversations and I was sitting there and, and as he walked past, just tapped me on the shoulder. It was almost like a little acknowledgement, you know, oh, this is Pete, I know Pete. Didn't say a word, didn't go, you know, stop and pray for me and, or anything like that. But I immediately got healed of a shoulder strain, and I'm talking immediate. I went, <laughs> like that, and it was gone. And I had so ripped my shoulder muscle that I was using ultra-strength denk rub at the pace that caused me to blister. That's how, how much of it I was using to try and deal with it. And I'd just come back from a missions trip to Uganda, 
and just gotten back. And while I was there, I'm sure they thought that my aftershave was Denkerub. You know, because I was using so much of it. But he tapped me on the shoulder. I wasn't believing for a healing. I wasn't there going, oh, if I can just get healed. I was just using Denkarab. You know how you do? You take the pill, you take the, you know, the, the soothing balm, you do the things that you do. And I didn't have any faith out at that time. So when I say, is faith required to get us healed? I would say yes and no. There is a time. You say, what was, what was happening with Richard Roberts? He's operating in the gift of healings. He's operating in the gift of miracles. Knows how to do it, knows how to flow with it, and just steps into that. And when he's in meetings, God just, just gifts him that way. So he's calling out, oh, there's someone over here that's being healed of a lung condition. And they hands go up. Oh, well, that's me, you know. Or, and I just got tapped. Just a little tap, I got healed. I had nothing, it, it was nothing to do with my faith. And you see that. And I want to talk about this, and I'm not sure if I'm going to get time to do it today, but it's so important to get this because this unravels a lot of the confusion that exists in the body of Christ around healing. Well, I went to that meeting and that guy over there got healed, but I didn't. What happened? How come? See, that can happen in those types of meetings as well when you've got a healing evangelist, someone moving in the gifts, and you know you might get 10 testimonies out the front of the people that got healed and 30 or 40 other people sitting there going, well, I didn't get healed. I came hungry. I wanted to be... And of course, that's not just... And here's the point I want to make, is maybe that God wants you to go via the other door. And I want to just bring that up and just, I'll certainly lay this down as a concept and a thought today, just in the time we've got remaining. Two doors of access into healing. Okay, two doors. One is the application of my faith. Where I start to believe God, I start to say, I start to say and pray. Lord, your, your word has promises. And then the other door is what we could say is the sovereign door where God's, it's, it's based on God's will. You see, when you talk about the gifts of healings and the gift of miracles that operate in the lives of, of uh, healing evangelists, what you're talking about is, is the gifts of this Holy Spirit. They're listed there in um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the whole point about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and for some of you who may know, how do they operate? They operate as he wills. Bible college students down the front here, um, they know the scriptures. The gifts of the Holy Spirit operate as he wills. Hmm. So that's where some people will go, well, I wasn't even expecting. I heard the story of the guy who came into, he came into a Benny Hinn meeting. And of course, some of you might, might have ever heard of Benny Hinn. Uh, Benny Hinn, big meetings and does crusades in different places. Benny Hinn comes in, uh, he's ministering away and a guy who's in the same convention centre walks in, he is drunk. He doesn't even know he's in a healing meeting. <laughs> he sits down the back and he's sitting there going, what, what's this about? Clueless as to why he's even, you know, what, what's going on. And he gets healed. 
you see. No faith. He's not saying and praying. He's not believing in his heart, confessing with his mouth. None of that's going on. See, that's as the Lord wills. And you say, well, that's not fair. Well, <laughs> that's just the way it operates. This is, this is, you know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's nine gifts and they operate as he wills. And we learn how to operate and function uh, with them. We learn how to be sensitive to them when those, when those gifts are operating. And for those that are dealing with sickness and disease in their physical bodies, what I would say is because these gifts operate as he wills in one door, spend all your time over at the other door. It's not going to hurt. And who knows, you might just walk into a meeting one day and the gift of, the, uh, of miracles or healings will just drop out and, 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 and hit you where you are anyway. But don't stand there getting the rules mixed up. As that people get frustrated, well, when's God going to heal me? Well, I'm just waiting. What are you waiting for? Go over to the door where you can apply your faith and receive there through patient endurance and doing the word of God on a daily basis. Stay there. And, you know, that other door, you know, can operate as well. There's nothing saying it won't. But what we want is we want it now. That's half the problem, isn't it? We want it now. We want to look at the clock and say, well, but how? Oh, but, but. And, and, of course, we, we miss out on, on what God's got for us. You see, and this is nowhere in my notes, and I wanted to get on to talking about the woman with the issue of blood because she came up out of nowhere and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. Actually, I might just, might just go there just so that we can see that verse. It's a big day in Jesus' ministry, and of course we see here that when Jesus, Mark chapter 5, 21 to 23, when Jesus had crossed over again by the boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. Great scripture. Verse 24. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Great strong faith in evidence here, released by Jairus. But in the crowd, we have someone else who has faith in her heart and is releasing faith with words. And I want you to see this, Mark chapter 5 and verse 25, 28. It says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better. So here she is struggling uh, with, her, with her circumstance. But it says, rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment for she said some of you just need to underline for she said she wasn't just believing she was saying for she said if only I may touch his clothes I shall be made well some of us just need to get what we're saying right I heard one man, someone say that if you look at Mark 11, 23, 20, uh, 22, 23, 24, it says, it says believe once and three times it says speak. So it's our speaking, it's what we're saying. The question that you need to ask yourself and maybe 
maybe just put it in brackets or put a big border around it and highlight it and say, what am I saying? And if it's not much, change that. If it's the wrong thing, change that. And start aligning what you're saying with what God is saying in his promises, his word. Here's the point. Can we see this woman's faith? Sure. <laughs> she leaves home. That's a big effort. That's faith in action, isn't it? To work her way through the crowd, she must have realised that there'd be a crowd, that she wasn't going to be number one, and she didn't have a box seat to talk to Jesus, didn't know him. It was a big effort for her to come. That was faith in application. She wouldn't have even left home to come and see Jesus if she didn't believe. But she had the things that she needed to stop focusing on. And, of course, she'd been sick for, sick for 12 years. So, you know, was this big for her to believe that, um, uh, you know, after 12 years that this might be her answer? Sure it was. Spent all her money on treatment. These were big things for her not to focus on. Faith came by hearing, and Jesus is in town, and he heals. She understood that. She had faith now, and it just needs to be released with words. She could have stayed home, focused on the problem, got no money left. I'm just a little sick woman. I need to get through the crowd and get to Jesus, and, and I'll probably get trampled. She could have been saying all that stuff, but she said, you know, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Some of you need to find the verse of scripture that speaks of your healing and your, uh, God's promise to you for healing and grab it and say it with the same intense intensity that she was saying it. If I may only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She has faith in her heart and she releases it with words. Amen. Mark uh, uh, 5, 29 to 31, and it says immediately, the fountain of blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples are all obviously close. They're like a security, you know, ring around him. Saying, you see the multitudes thronging you and you say, who touched me? Wow. Wow. But Jesus knew that power had gone out from him. It's how the anointing works. Actually, you can feel it. Okay, it's that power. Just, you know, releasing and, and, and leaving you when you pray. It's how the anointing works. You can sense its flow. Okay? And of course, look what it says in Mark 5.32. We might as well look at it. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, my faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I'll say it again. Daughter, my faith has made you well. Thank you. It's exactly what I was wanting, a little bit of correction, because it wasn't Jesus' faith that made her well. It wasn't the sovereign door, you see. She just tapped by her faith into the power of God for healing. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. 
See, sometimes we're putting off what God has for us. We're like the guy that's on the cruise that's eating our cheese and crackers. And we have to recognise that there's so much blessing that's available to us that we can tap into, but we have to use our faith. We have to get it out and use it. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm going to ask the um, team maybe to come up and um, we're going to go out with a song this morning. And I want to encourage you. Today, we've actually spoken about healing. And, and you know, in some, in, in some cases, there's a, a stirring of our faith to actually receive healing for something that maybe you've never prayed for before. And just said, Lord, I'm going to deal with this now today. And I want to put the invitation out. Come down to the altar, this side. Come down to the altar this morning if you would like to have hands laid on you for, you know, just a, an application of your faith. You've heard the word. You've received the word. You've believed it in your heart. Come down saying in your heart, if I just come down to the altar this morning, I'm going to be healed. Come down that way and you watch what happens. Amen. Come, out, come down with that expectation. We're going to go on talking about these two doors a little bit and seeing through the scriptures other places where, um, you know, you can see that it was actually, you know, the faith of God, you know, that was actually an application, the sovereign will of God as he wills. And other places where it was up to the, the people to have faith and Jesus encouraged them with it. So I encourage you this morning. Uh, also, just before we uh, go into this last song, I want to make an invitation to anyone this morning who have heard things that maybe you haven't heard before. Things about believing in your heart and, and confessing with your mouth. That's how we actually come into a relationship with God in the very first case. For me, as a 21-year-old, I did that. I did that um, in a small little church in the suburb of Morley. I uh, actually believed in my heart and confessed with my mouth the first time, the Lord Jesus. I believe that God uh, 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 caused him to go on the cross, die for my sins, and I believe that. And I confessed with my mouth that God raised him from the dead, and I believe that, and, uh, and that I was forgiven of my sins, and I believe that. And, you know, I had an experience that day in Morley, and it's coming up 40 years ago now, wow, coming up 40 years that I had that that. I said that prayer and, and had the experience that I had. And it was enough for me to turn the course and direction of my life. And I, there may be someone here this morning that needs to pray that prayer. And I just want to make an invitation. Come on down the front as well and just say, I'd like to pray that prayer, a prayer of salvation. And uh, it'll change your life forever. Amen? Amen.